We're going to have Adam, who will be reading to us from our main text for tonight, from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, and he'll be reading in the New International Reader's Version. It's the, the one that we give all our kids in their kids' Bibles. In the beginning, the Word was already there. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him. Nothing that has been made was made without him. Life was made in him, and that life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome the light. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came to be a witness about the light. He was a witness so that all might people might believe. John himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives the light to everyone was coming into the world. The word was in the world, and the world was made through him. But the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. Some people did accept him and did believe in his name. He gave them the right to become children of God, to be a a child of God has nothing to do with human parents. Children of God are not because a human choice or because a husband wants them to be born. They are born because of what God does. The Word became a human being. He was made his home with us. We have seen his glory. It is the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. And the Word was full of grace and truth. Thank you, Adam. Well, welcome here, and Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Dave. I'm our lead pastor here. And uh, let me ask, when when you hear the phrase, good news, what comes to mind? Maybe, Maybe kids, it's when your parents say, we're getting pizza tonight and then we're going to watch a movie. Or, or maybe, good news, I passed, I passed the test. Or good news, yes, it is cancer, but we can operate, you're going to be fine. Good news. When we hear the phrase, good news, we heard it in that first passage that Nadine read for us in Isaiah. Uh, let me just read that again for you. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, and who say to Zion, your God reigns. In the ancient world, good news or gospel is how it gets translated out in the New Testament typically. Gospel or good news is a royal announcement. It means this. It means your king is coming. Get ready. The news then is a person. And that's the news that Christmas centers on. Good news, we'll see, is on the move. But maybe your mind didn't really focus on that first part of the good news. Maybe your mind jumped to feet. And especially when the writer calls them beautiful feet. Like, when we think of feet, maybe you have a younger brother. And so you think of feet, you think stinky. You think he should change his socks more often. I have two boys. I know something about that. 
Or maybe our image of feet is of bunions and big veins, very far from what we would think of as beautiful, not what we would want to display to the world. So why would Isaiah talk about these feet being beautiful? Well, before there was text messages or Twitter, before there was even landlines or telegraphs, in the ancient world, if you wanted to send a message, you sent a messenger. And that messenger would memorize the message or they would have it written down in a scroll. And if it needed to go somewhere urgently, that messenger would run. Good news. They're bringing good news. And that's why their feet could be called beautiful, because of the news, the disruptively good news that they bring. And it's beautiful because, well, listen again. We heard this description of Jesus from John chapter 1. In the beginning, and when John writes that, it means the beginning of everything, actually, before there was anything at all. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we go on to read this, through Him all things are made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life That life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then the writer goes on to say this, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, made His home with us. One of the most fascinating things about a newborn baby, at least to me, is those tiny little feet with toes that you can only measure in millimeters. You felt these feet kick when they were inside the womb, and now in the open air you think, oh, the places you'll go, to quote Dr. Seuss. Our feet carry us. Our feet are what move us. They, for the rest of your life, will take you to the places you will go. And what this text tells us is that the eternal word The same God who creates time and space and matter chooses to become a part of time and space and matter. God has these little newborn measure in millimeter kinds of feats. The God who holds the world in His hand is now held in the arms of a trembling teenage mother. And those feet... Oh, the places you'll go. What's the speed of light? Anybody? I heard someone say really fast. (laughs) Yeah, someone said it up there. Roughly, one way we could estimate it is about 300,000 kilometers per second. What's the speed of our light? Of the light that is coming to the world? About five kilometers an hour. God chooses human feet to move through this world. God chooses the speed of walking along a road and having a conversation. God chooses feet for God's self. Good news is on the move. I started by talking about good news. We're having pizza. 
or I passed. Maybe even I got an A. But let's be honest, sometimes when we talk about the good news, our minds do skip and hop to the bad news as well. Maybe I didn't pass. Or yes, it's cancer and we can't do anything for you, I'm sorry. Or we lost the baby. In those moments, we might wonder, so how? How how do we know? How do we know that God really does love us? Because this world does have many dark corners. That's why we need the light, the light that has come into the world. And this ultimately, this light coming into the world, that's the the storyline that the whole of the Bible is ultimately telling. And the light shines in the darkness, we read, and the darkness has not overcome it. We need the light because of the darkness. But what does the writer mean when, when, he, when he says darkness here? Well, darkness in the, in the Bible is a way of speaking of evil. It's a way of, of speaking of those actions, those ways that conspire against the life of goodness that God designed for us to live in and live out of. And that language, well, we, we, we know it well, right? Even our culture is infused with that language to speak of darkness in that way. You think of the Star Wars saga, for instance. It draws heavy on the language of darkness. As Obi-Wan says to Luke, the young Jedi, Luke, don't give in to hate. That leads to the dark side. The dark side. We, we know about darkness, don't we? We can feel that same word to us. Don't give in to the hate, can't we? But in some ways, if we're honest with ourselves, all of us have given into it. It's like the lyrics to that song, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. It's, it's a number one song on the pop charts right now for a reason, I think. It's because we actually can all relate to Taylor. When we face ourselves honestly, we've all made choices that didn't honor people the way they ought to have been honored. Maybe we valued power over people, getting our way, having control over serving the needs and the good of others. All of these are ultimately actually against God who made us for light, who made us for life. And that's why we need this news. We need it personally and we need it because of those dark corners of our world. Though we might not know all of the reasons for the whys, for the whys that you're facing maybe even this week. We don't know this. We don't know the reasons for those, but we do know this. Jesus' feet walked him into the real world places of hurt and pain. The God who chose to come with feet walked himself over to those who were in serious need of healing, had leprosy and said, be healed, and they were whose eyes were blind, and he said, be healed, and they were, who couldn't walk, and he gave them feet to walk, who said to people, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. You're free. Like that guilt you don't have to carry. 
All of these were ways of saying, I see you and I love you. It was his way to say, one day I will heal all of your hurts. Do you trust me? Good news is on the move even into dark places. For he makes this announcement most beautifully when he walks up the side of a mountain just outside of Jerusalem, and he is hung on a Roman cross, and those feet of his are nailed to it. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet. So although I could never tell you the reasons why you're going through the things that fall under the category of bad news, I can tell you what they don't mean. They don't mean God doesn't love me. God doesn't care. Jesus' feet, His beautiful feet are nailed to a cross, and that is God's final word that says, I love you so much I would give my life for you. And this is so important to see as well. Christmas, the fact that God would come for us, Christmas tells us, tells me that I am that desperately lost that I am in that much need of saving and healing. And I know we don't like to hear that in our culture. I know. We want to say, actually, I did it myself. I justified myself. I am enough. I was enough. I did enough. It says, it's me. Hi. I'm the solution. It's me. But the good news of Christmas says you can't save yourself because you can't. And the good news of Christmas is this. Jesus says you can't save yourself and you don't have to. You don't have to. That is good news if I've ever heard it. The good news of Christmas, Jesus says you don't have to save yourself because that's why I have come. I have come to save you, to heal you, to overcome the darkness in you and in me. For at the moment that Jesus dies on the cross, we read that the world, the physical world around him begins to go dark. It looks like the darkness is going to overcome the light. Jesus is taken and he's buried. But on the third day, the morning begins to break. The light begins to dawn. And a group of women who loved Jesus and followed him and supported him, they show up because he wasn't buried properly. So they want to go and give him a proper burial And when they arrive at the tomb, they are shocked, they're stunned, because the tomb he's buried in is empty. No one's in it. And they're even more shocked when he shows up. For they encounter the risen Jesus, and he says so simply, so beautifully, greetings. Hi, it's me. I'm the solution, it's it's me. And then he says, do not be afraid, and fair enough. Because they saw him die. They watched it happen. They saw where he was buried, and yet now he's standing alive in front of them. So they're scared, and they need to hear that word, don't be afraid. And guess what? You and I need to hear that word, don't be afraid, today as well. Because the light has won, because the darkness has not overcome him, there is nothing ultimately that you need to fear. Not rejection, not suffering, not hardship, not even death itself. For Jesus' resurrection ensures that everyone who puts our trust in him will one day be raised in a body just as he 
was raised. And so these women who meet him, encounter him, they take their beautiful feet and run this message to the other disciples, those who are hiding, scared, maybe for good reason, and they bring this news, Jesus is alive, the darkness doesn't win, because good news is on the move, even into dark places. It was a dark evening, if memory serves me correctly, would have been like the week before Christmas. Uh, my best friend, Royden, and I, I know that we were in grade 11, probably at least because we were driving at this point, and um, we decided on this snowy night. It was one of those, uh, we grew up in Salmon Arm, that was hometown, and when it snows, sometimes it snows very deep, and there it is often very wet and heavy, and it was one of these knee-deep snowfalls, and I don't know whose idea it was. I'm going to give credit to Royden. He probably came up with this. But we grabbed our shovels and jumped in his car or mine. I don't know. doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and we drove down to one of the neighborhoods where lots and lots of seniors lived, kind of like the downtown of Kamloops, same sort of scenario. There's lots of seniors, and they had large driveways and this kind of heavy snow and we parked on the side of the road, we grabbed our shovels, and we just started at house number one. And, and we started shoveling, and we got finished it, and man, our hearts were pounding, and it was a lot of work. And then we walked across the street and started on the next one. And uh, we worked our way that evening down one of these streets. And, you know, we were, we were in grade 11, we were in good physical condition, there was no, you know, worries about our hearts at that point. Um, but I remember... A few times that night, a head would poke out of the door, usually someone elderly, and they would say, do you want money? Is that why you're doing this? We'd say no, and we didn't quite know what to say, but we felt like we needed to say something a little bit more, and so in our fumbling best, we said something like, Jesus came. out of love for us, and somehow we've experienced that, and we want you to know that He loves you too. So you don't want any money? <laughs> no. They offered us many other things too, to which we said no, <laughs> thinking these are young men and weak anyways. Uh, the light has come. Jesus says this when He's an adult. In John chapter 8, we read this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Follows me. It's a walking metaphor. When Jesus uses this, he's pointing to your feet now and to my feet, and he says, you are called to move your feet in rhythm with my feet. That's what living faith looks like. Faith means more than simply saying, I believe these historically true things that happened in the first century. Though that's important, 
that Jesus lived, that He was God the Son. He lived a perfect life for you. He died a sinner's death for me and for you, and He rose again in triumphant vindication. That I need to say, but that isn't living faith until it begins to follow. Jesus says, those who follow me will never walk in darkness. It's to say, I bet my life on living that way, on following this person, on trusting Jesus. And as you go through the Gospels, if you ever do this, do this sometime, you will see that Jesus elicits extreme responses from the people he encounters. As one writer says, some are are so furious with him that they try to throw him off a cliff. Others are so terrified, they, they cry out, depart from me, get away from me. Others fall down before him and worship him. Why the extremes? Why the extremes? It's because of the claims about who he is. If he is who he says he is, then you have to center your whole life on him. You can't have mild appreciation for Jesus. Either he is God or he is not. If he's God, the only right response is to fall down on your knees and worship and then get up and walk into the world with his love in your hands, in your heart, on your lips. You see, there's another place where Jesus says to those who sign on to be his followers, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town that's built on a hill, it can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then stick a bowl over top of it. No. Instead, they, they put it on a stand And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see what? What a great person you are? No. I love how he points away. This isn't about you or me. We don't shovel the driveways or bring the gifts to KRCC. Thank you for doing that. We don't do it because it's about us. We do it so that, Jesus says, they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So this isn't a private interior. Well, this is my own kind of thing, this faith of mine. Sorry doesn't work. Following Jesus means walking it into the world publicly. To live for him. To live with that same kind of love that he first showed us. You, and he means each of us, and you, he means the whole of those who have signed on as his followers. You, Jesus says, are the light of the world. See, good news is on the move into dark places through you and me. And those first followers believed it. And their message and their way of life, it begins to spread and spread and spread as they follow the way of Jesus And so too, all who trust in Jesus now, who open ourselves to him, are called to be an outpost of hope that the world needs. They need to see God's light through you. To walk into the world 
through deeds of love and kindness to say to those in the darkness, there is hope. He has a name. His name is Jesus. So what about you? Will will you maybe open up your life to him? Some of you maybe are at a place where you're saying, I just need more information. Great. But don't not get that information. I'd love to talk with you about that and journey with you as you figure it out. He made you. He gave his life to buy you. Will you give yourself back to him? Each of us, though, does have a choice to make, and we do have to make it. We heard when Adam read that those who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called children of God. He offers you himself. And when we take him into us, he transforms us to be the light of the world. Will you do that today?